If ever there's been a time for us to write a permission slip for all busy parents to go easy on themselves, it's right now. Here, here. And one of our favorite ways to save time, money, and sanity is by doing our shopping online at thrivemarket.com or even better, using the Thrive Market app. Thrive Market is an online membership-based market that offers organic and non-GMO food, non-toxic home products, clean beauty, ethical meat, and sustainable seafood at 25 to 50% off traditional retail prices. Seriously, members save an average of $32 per order. Also, in a time when we're opting for convenience more than we might otherwise, it feels good to know that our groceries are sent with carbon-neutral shipping from zero-waste warehouses. Offsets for the win! Woo! Thrive Market also offers a one-for-one membership matching program where every paid membership sponsors a free one for a low-income family. All that. And did we mention affordable clean wine delivered to your door? (laughs) (laughs) Go to thrivemarket.com backslash didn't I just feed you to give Thrive Market a try. You can choose from a one or 12-month membership option and choose a free gift with up to a $22 value when you join today. And don't forget, Thrive Market membership is risk-free. You can cancel within 30 days and get a full refund. So go now, thrivemarket.com backslash didn't I just feed you. I feel like beans are actually a little bit magic. Like they're dry and hard and you just like put them in a pot of water and then they are cooked and delicious. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding kids. Hi, I'm Stacy, And I'm Megan. Welcome to this week's episode where we're going to talk about beans, beans. The magical fruit. (laughs) (laughs) Should we just spend the first five minutes like just getting all of the bean jokes out? Yeah, it's like getting the wiggles out with kids. Yeah, right? I mean... Let's talk about toots. Although now (laughs) that we've said it, it's not as funny. But yeah, like farting. We're not going to talk about farting today. Well, a little bit. We do mention it. We sort of mention it in passing. He mentions it. He was so professional, though, that I like let moments pass. I was like, oh, we're speaking to a professional toot talker. He has a bean company and he made a good point. That beep has got to get tired. Yeah. If you and a right? bean company, people trying to like goad you into making fart jokes all the time. Yeah. I'd be tired of that too. Yeah. There for you sure. Have it. There you have but it. But we don't own a bean company and we think it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. And it's do you have a podcast, favorite fart joke? So we can do whatever we want to. I don't know if I do actually. As soon as I said that, I was like, wait, do I have good jokes or do I just find fart jokes funny when they happen or even like when someone farts I I can't not laugh I'm sorry it's It's funny it's funny every time but you know what's really weird what I find burping like really like a little bit annoyingly offensive like I get a little agitated when someone feel like one is controllable and one is not it's all gas yes but gas is definitely control I don't know there's something about it coming out of your mouth it feels more <laughs> aggressive. Okay. Also, you live with the dudes. Sound isn't as funny. Like, do that thing where it's like you're. They like force it up so it's louder. Yeah, I don't. I'm like, stop, stop. But then if you fart at the table, I'm the first one laughing. Hey, yeah. 
Megan, what do you get when the Queen of England farts? I don't know. A noble guess. (laughs) (laughs) There's one to dig to your kids. Wait. If you farted while traveling at the speed of sound, would you smell it before you heard it? That's a good one to give to kids. I feel like that gets like that's how you launch like a homeschool science project Ooh, <laughs> research units with beans or I the speed that of would sound. Be really fun. <laughs> yes, with the speed of sound. Okay, one more, oh. one more. Because in spirit of spooky season, why couldn't the skeleton fart in front of his friends? I don't know why. He didn't have the guts. <laughs> Let's move along here. Nothing to smell here. All out of our system. Well, now, have we inspired you to subscribe and rate and review? Before we get started, we always love to remind you to do that. And now haven't we proven our worth, our entertainment value? We gave you just at least three good kid-friendly fart jokes. So please rate, review, and subscribe. Come on, that's, that's worth something. Okay, but we have we have a lot actually. I know, to and get I was into. like really ready to before you reminded me that we need to ask <laughs> for the rate and review. I was like really ready to wax poetically about Do beans. Do it, start right because beans are one of those proteins that's like so inexpensive, and I I know it's spooky season. It's also close to Scorpio season, which is my personal favorite time of year, but like. I feel like beans are actually a little bit magic. Like they're dry and hard and you just like put them in a pot of water and then they they are cooked and delicious. But you can eat them on their own. Yeah. You can add them to things. You can yep. use them in vegan recipes. Uh, you know, you can turn them into pasta sauce. You can combine them with meat to reduce your meat. You can combine them with meat and double down on your meat. <laughs> They're good yeah. so, you can so slap many ways. a fried egg on top and call Ugh. it a day. Wrap them in tortillas and their dinner or lunch. And they're just like so inexpensive as a source of protein and fiber. Like I cannot get over it. But ha- like working in food media for as long as I have, I feel like... And for as long as you have, right? We have over 20 years combined experience. I feel like people get tripped up on beans. Like they're so intimidated about cooking them from dry or they've like had a had one bad experience of cooking them from dry. And so they never want to do it again. It's each bean has such like Id- idiosyncrasies that it's like you can't say, oh, this is the one universal wet method that works for all beans. Like, most methods work for most beans, but you have to like really have some cooking intuition that I think makes people kind of intimidated by cooking dried beans. And then we also just like love canned beans. And what did Ibrahim call it? It's shelf stable, not yeah, canned, but so shelf packaged stable packaging beans. beans. So I think we want to talk through like cooking beans from dry and then also just all the ways that we use beans to feed our families. Yeah, I also want to talk a little bit about nutrition um, and being flexible with beans. Our guest today, as you said, is going to talk to us about packaged beans and even give some insights into what the process is so you can think about what kinds of packaged beans you want to look for when you're looking to the supermarket to get that 
quick, easy dinner shortcut. But let's start with dry beans. So first of all, how long can you keep a bag of dry beans? I mean, technically they last forever, but older beans take longer to cook. Yeah. So, you know, you don't two I think two years is a safe shelf life before yep. you're really gonna be like just having to cook them for hours and hours on end. Yes. So let's talk about cooking them for hours and hours because I think that's the perception, although there's some ways around it. And I think it's why a lot of home cooks don't buy dried beans. And I just want to say, when you talk about them being affordable, that really is, we are talking about just buying a bag of dry beans and doing the work yourself. So it's really hands-off work. But as you get into canned beans, canned plain beans are still very affordable, but they are more expensive. And then canned prepared beans. So, you know, we're big fans of A Dozen Cousins but also like your favorite can of refried beans, anything like that, it's going to get progressively more expensive. So if you really, really want to take advantage of savings, you want to go for that bag of dried. Right. And I think we should touch a little bit on like, you know, your grocery store beans are great. Like they're going to be the least expensive of dried beans, but then you can also find specialty beans, which some people consider fresher or they're just, you might be able to get a unique bean that has an interesting texture or flavor that isn't like the the very basic like black beans and chickpeas that you find in the grocery store. So there is even within dried beans, these different price points which is what makes it a great entry level for every kind of home cook. Yes, for sure. Okay, so cooking time, dry beans. Uh, Should we go through like the different bean types? Yeah. Okay, so like black beans. Black beans tend to have a soft, earthy flavor. I think most Americans are pretty familiar with them. You can eat them whole, stewed. You can refry them or mash them. Dried black beans do require a soak. Also... Black beans are sometimes called turtle beans. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yes. So they do require a soak. And then the cooking time is not so long after that. And the great thing about a soak is that it just happens overnight. Like literally just open your bag, (laughs) throw the beans in the pot, cover with water. By I do by about two inches. Do you have something more technical than that to offer? No, just know that they're going to expand. And so you want to make sure you have like plenty of headroom or you will end up with your soaking water all over your counter. Ask me how I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Overnight soak. But even if like you can't do an overnight soak, if you could like soak them during the day while you're at work and you and you come home to cook them, that's also great, too. That works. And do you have, have you ever done like shortcuts where you soak them in water that you've boiled first? Oh my God. Have I ever? <laughs> I have <laughs> I've done every shortcut in the world. And yeah, that works too. Especially like if you are pulling dry beans from like the back of your pantry. I like the boil and soak method, which is like you cover your beans in water. Like Stacy said, by about two inches, you bring the pot of water to a boil and then you cut off the heat, cover the pot, and you can let it sit for 30 minutes or you can let it sit for an hour. And that helps just like jumpstart the cooking. That's called a quick soak method. And you can also do that with the instant pot. If you're cooking beans in the instant pot, you can bring them to pressure for like one minute, 
then let them sit for 30 minutes and they'll cook faster even under pressure. Um, but some people dispute whether that's actually like actually works is really necessary or if you're just really already starting the ju- the cooking process and that's yeah, what makes so it so I faster. don't soak beans when I cook them in the pressure cooker. Yeah. Do you? It actually just depends on the bean. I hate to say that. Like black beans, I would never because they're so quick cooking. But if I have like old chickpeas that I'm trying to cook, I do like to do a quick soak in the instant pot, like the quick one minute of pressure in the instant pot and then cook them fully. Okay, so let's jump now because chickpeas, I don't soak chickpeas. Do you? I do. I do. I just cook chickpeas. (laughs) I just cook chickpeas. Do you have some sort of like Greek um, permission slip that I don't have maybe? I don't know what, but you know what I'm thinking now? I've actually genuinely have never questioned this. And I think it's because it's just the way that I've seen my grandmother cook. It takes forever to cook them. Yeah. But like she didn't soak it. She would just cook. But also she was like on days that she would cook, she was like home all day in her slippers cooking, like cooking a thousand things. (laughs) So that's how I do it. Technically, you must have to soak them, right? I think that, so I think it's interesting, the like, because we didn't discuss this before we jumped on recording, but I think as like a general rule, you can soak any bean, but like you don't actually have to soak any bean, but soaking helps cut down on cooking time. Yeah, I think that's right. So my grandmother didn't ever soak chickpeas and she just put them on the stove I don't even know for how long because she would just do it. And I can't actually speak to it now because I truly use my Instant Pot now for all beans. <laughs> I do. do. Do you? I think it's just like a mood time bandwidth thing. Like sometimes I want that like, you know, the 60 to 90 minutes of like simmering pot of beans on the stove. And also if I'm like trying to cook beans for like a salad or something and I want the texture to just be like, oh, so perfect without any fuss, I'm more likely to do beans on the stove. Whereas like, especially if I'm like going to make hummus or, or refried beans with the beans and it like doesn't matter if they overcook a little bit or undercook a little bit, like then I use the Instant Pot because it's so much faster. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder if my grandmother did the boil and then let them sit and then cooked them longer. And here I am. I'm just I used to boil them for just like ages. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, though, because I think this speaks to something we're going to talk about a little later, which is that beans can be very tied to childhood and culture and foods of origin. Not yes. always. Yes. But they really can be. So it's funny because I'm so technical about all my other beans. And then chickpeas, which are a staple of Greek cooking. I'm like, I don't know. What? Have I been yeah. doing it wrong? I just did what my grandmother did. I don't know. We haven't talked about this. Like, there's a sort of this, like, there. there's ritual around beans in a lot of cultures. Like, I only learned how to cook, cook black-eyed peas when I moved to the South. And I had to cook them every New Year's. Eve, New Year's Day for Hoppin' John. Yes. And like, I feel like you can't, like, you literally, I, 12 years of living in the South, and I'm like, I can't start a new year without Hoppin' John. It'll be a terrible year. I'm going to double down in 2021. <laughs> and do you know that I revealed, I think in our episode last like for the new year that I've never done it. It's like totally not a tradition that I was even aware of growing right? up in a Greek household. 
until I was much older. Yes. Let's talk about cannellini beans, a.k.a. white beans. A.k.a. are they a kidney bean? I They're do like a not white think of them. They're, they are, yeah. I don't think of them as kidney bean. Kidney okay. bean is dark or light red. Yes. But they're in this, they're like in a family of kidney beans. Okay. Cannellini. I can never say it. Cannellini. Cannellini. White beans. Uh, they might be one of my favorite beans. I love white beans too. Because they're so good for like warm salads or like green salads. They're so, so creamy in soups and stews. They're a blank canvas for flavor. And they can be turned into sauces that you want to either reduce cream or eliminate cream. So that's something that uh, vegans use a lot and makes a great pasta sauce if you blend them. They're just because, like you said, they have that beautiful, smooth, creamy texture. Yes. Cranberry beans? Do you cook cranberry beans? I feel like I, I can don't, think but of they're one very beautiful. Time. They're very beautiful. I can think of one time where I've cooked cranberry beans. But they're kind of nice because they're like a thin skinned and they can also have a creamy texture. They're akin to black beans in that they can be quick cooking, too. Yes. I actually think of them as being interchangeable with cannellini beans. Okay, But I'm not so sure that that's true. They do have that like nice velvety texture, creamy texture, but they're a little bit different. Yes. Both cannellini beans and cranberry beans I have soaked and also not soaked. It just changes your cooking time. Same. Okay. <laughs> Same. I just think it's funny that we're like, we're going to be definitive about which beans to soak and which not to soak. And then as we talked about it, we're like, actually, it's kind of like choose your own adventure. How much well, time okay. do you have? So wait, let's talk about that for a second, because I think that's a really important point that the idea is that you just want to make sure that you get the beans to the right texture. So yeah. it's just about how long you cook them, <laughs> how much exposure they have to the heat. So soaking cuts that down. If you're not going to soak and you're just going to cook, you're going to increase your cooking time. With the pressure cooker, you can do the quick method like you mentioned or just put them in and pressure cook them so maybe that's just the shortcut here like <laughs> you can do whatever you want depending on your time have you found that one particular method is most reliable as a rule of thumb for yielding beans that you think are like the most delicious or the best best texture i mean i love a stove top cooking method because I just feel like you have infinitely more control and it also allows you to like saute some veggies some aromatics in the pan and then add the water and then add your beans um and then I also feel like you can reduce the cooking liquid better than you could in an instant pot or a slow cooker so that you get sort of like that sauce around the beans, that starchy liquid that can be so good and flavorful. All right. I totally agree with you. And I'm so glad you brought it up because that's really where I was headed, which is that that sauce, like don't just dump the cooking liquid. <laughs> that's like soup. That's, you know, you take a couple ladles full and that's sauce. That's like if you're making pasta with white beans that can, you know, make a richer pasta sauce. Like there's so much good stuff that you can do with it. It's magic water. It is magic water. <laughs> also, 
Um, Because chickpeas are next up alphabetically. (laughs) Chickpea liquid is also known sometimes as aquafaba and is used a lot as a vegan substitute for egg whites. So you can like make meringue cookies with it. You can make a marshmallow cream facsimile with aquafaba. You can use it in cookies, in chickpea blondies. So like that is one bean water you really do not want to throw away. Whether it's you're cooking beans from dry and you have that li- that you're like liquid you made or you are draining canned beans. Totally. So, all right, let's breathe. Now that we, we don't have to go through like soak, no soak for every single yeah. one because we just kind of established. It's a choose your own adventure. Great Northern beans. Oh, I love great I beans. I do too. Cassoulet. Oh, the yes. best. Any kind of like baked beans with kidney beans or excuse me, great Northern beans. So good. I wonder, do you think of them as like kind of extra large cannellini beans? I mean, they're actually a little bit different, but that's how I think of them in my head. Oh, I don't think of them as extra large. I think of cannellini beans as larger. Oh, really? I think of great Northern beans as larger. I think they're like a medium size. Okay. (laughs) Damn. Okay. (laughs) We will resolve this in the show notes. Kidney beans. I also love kidney beans. So do I. This is like your classic chili bean. Yes. Can I just add that I recently bought like an envelope of kidney beans from Thrive Market and they were so good. Oh, nice. Yeah. Like their Thrive Market brand. And it reminded me like how much I love kidney beans and how I shouldn't just reserve them for chili, which is actually how I use them. But they're still so good for so many other soups and stews. And I love the way that they hold up against red meat. Yes. Okay. I am going to jump ahead to navy beans because I realized that when I said I think of great northern beans as a bigger cannellini, I was thinking of navy beans. Navy beans are the little small ones. Yeah. Cannellini are big, but I think of great northerns as a larger navy bean. Okay. That, I'm glad for that clarification. Yes. All right. So (laughs) navy beans are very small. They're very smooth. They're very creamy. Lima beans. Okay. Can I tell a story? Yeah. Of me being a terrible child? (laughs) Yes, for sure. Okay. My sweet um, bonus mom, so she was a a former stepmom at this point, is in the listeners group. And so she'll really appreciate this. There was a time where I was staying with her. My dad was at work and she served lima beans for dinner. And it was one of those like formative memories for me where I just like refused to eat the lima beans. I had never tasted a lima bean. I just didn't like the look of them. And I was doing everything like trying to hide them under my plate, trying to hide them in my milk. And my stepmom and I had such a standoff that like my dad came home at bedtime and I was still sitting at the the dinner table. Uh, like just absolutely refusing to eat my lima beans. And I'm sure that they had like a big fight about it. So it's like maybe not that funny, but it's like a joke that comes up now <laughs> with her where she's like, remember, like, you know that you have this, this like food career and like, remember the one time that you would not just try the damn lima beans. That's hilarious. <sighs> I do love lima beans now. Um, I don't. Oh, no. Say why. I just don't. I don't know. They have like two like 
grassy is the wrong word. And I haven't eaten them in so long, to be honest. Yeah. Fresh that I don't, not fresh, but not dried, which I'm going to yeah. get to in a second, that I can't even recall. I think of them as being like having a um, young kind of flavor. Okay. If that makes I, any sense. I think that's fair. And I also have to say, I think a lot of people undercook lima beans. And then they have sort of like a almost... Um, grainy texture. Ugh. Yeah. Not so good. I did not realize that <laughs> bada bean, bada boom, are yeah. broad beans, which they're are lima beans. beans. I had no idea. But they're flavored. So that helps any like young taste that you have. I know. I had on. no clue. I've been chowing down. I eat them all the time, which I think speaks to the great, great versatility of beans and why we love them so much. I think also this might be a good moment to throw to our sponsors. Thinking of bada yeah. bean, bada boom. Y'all, whether your kids are in homeschool, remote school, returning to a classroom, or a hybrid, there's something universal for all of us. Back to school means back to endless snacking. Oh my gosh, that is the truth. I mean, listen, we know that kids snack constantly all year round, but back to school season has a shifting from easy summer fruits and popsicles to packable snacks that work grab and go, whether the kids are grabbing and going from the kitchen to their workspace, from the kitchen to the backyard, or maybe they're going back to their school building. Also, despite this being the strangest back to school season ever, we love that back to school always gives us an opportunity for a reset including finding new snack options. I love new snacks. And our latest favorite find is Bada Bean Bada Boom, a super crunchy vegan gluten and soy-free snack made of roasted broad beans. It comes in 13 delicious flavors, including buffalo wing, everything bagel, nacho cheese, my personal favorite, sweet cinnamon, and Megan's favorite, Zesty Ranch. Honestly, my kids cannot believe that these tasty snacks are made of beans. And I can't believe that a snack this delicious has 7 grams of protein and 5 grams of fiber per serving. All with a crunch that rivals potato chips. Seriously, listen for yourselves. Bada Bean Bada Boom is perfect packed in a lunchbox for kids or stashed in your home office snack drawer or gym bag. Or really, anywhere else you might need to grab a delicious high-protein snack. Go to badabeansnacks.com backslash didn't I just feed you to get 25% off your order. That's B-A-D-A-B-E-A-N-S-N-A-C-K-S dot com slash didn't I just feed you for 25% off at checkout. Healthy snacking has never been simpler. Stacy, it's getting warmer and the weather has me so ready for a wardrobe update, but I want it to be for the long haul without spending a fortune. Quince is your place. It's not easy to get quality pieces that you can count on to last without investing a ton of money. But at Quince, I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I love the pieces I bought from Quince last year, too. I wear my linen pants nonstop. I'm so impressed with what I get for the price, which is 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. 
which means it's time to snag their 100% washable silk skirts and camis that I've been eyeing. And don't forget, Quince has the chicest accessories for great prices. Get warm weather ready with us and Quince. Go to quince.com slash D-I-J-F-Y for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for Didn't I Just Feed You. This episode of Didn't I Just Feed You is sponsored by By Heart. Longtime listeners know that Stacy and I both struggled with infant feeding stages with all our kids. Breastfeeding was hard and choosing a formula was, well, also hard. We're thrilled to be working with By Heart, an infant nutrition company on a mission to make the best formula in the world. Not only is By Heart an easy-to-digest formula, their formula is also clinically proven for easier digestion, less spit-up, and softer poops versus leading infant formula. By Heart has their own patented protein blend that includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio, just like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. Curious about By Heart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with code D-I-J-F-Y for a limited time. That's byheart.com slash podcast and code D-I-J-F-Y, short for didn't I just feed you. Additional terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you picky about jarred pasta sauce? Because if you are, welcome to the club. We can't count the number of times we've talked on the show about how hard it is to find a delicious store-bought jarred sauce. Not only have we found a new favorite, but the best part is it's not just a pasta sauce. Ah, I see what you did there, Megan. Not just. That's the brand name. It is, and for good reason. Not Just is a versatile jarred sauce made with tomatoes and tons of other veggies that you can use in a million ways. It's basically a meal starter. Think dressings, dips, curries, soups, and more. One pantry staple, many meals with searchable recipes on their site to prove it. Also, Not Just sauce has zero grams of added sugar. Instead, it's gently sweetened with beets. But don't worry, the kids will never be able to tell. Not Just is a small, female-founded business run by busy parents just like us, so it's no wonder that they get it. After all, who understands our needs for simple, fresh-tasting pantry basics made with no icky stuff that we can use in lots of ways? All that, and have we mentioned that Not Just is totally delicious? Not Just launched with pasta sauce, but has other multi-purpose plant-based staples coming out soon. Visit notjust.co to sign up for their newsletter, to keep up with their latest, discover tons of recipes, and of course, to order Not Just sauces straight to your door. So two more beans that we have to discuss, and then we really have to leave some time to talk with Ibrahim because he has so much insight on beans as like a product, but also like as a staple and how to add flavor to them. So... Pinto beans. How do you feel about pinto beans? Stacey? I love pinto beans. I really like pinto beans. You I know, do too. 
refried beans are typically made with pinto beans. I was really surprised that, or cowboy beans. I was really surprised that Ibrahim said that pinto beans are like one of the more challenging beans for them to cook. And also like maybe not his favorite for eating. You'll have to listen to the whole interview. You know, they can get pasty. Yes, but I, I think understand that. And they have a thick skin. They do. But I do feel like if you mash them or, or blend them really well, it's really easy to use broth yes. to thin them out nicely. And that goes for whether you're making them yourself, although you can also use that bean cooking water again if you've made them yourself, because that's going to have a lot of goodness, like a lot of richness that came from the way you flavored the bean and also the bean itself. But also if you buy a packaged refried bean and you find that it's got a weird texture, just use a little broth, veggie broth, chicken broth, and it, it works out beautifully, I find, personally. Okay, last one. What I have a soft spot for them, red beans, because I love like the Creole red beans and rice. So good. Okay, so I really hardly ever cook with red beans, but I do love red beans and rice. And I was just kind of thinking over this list that we've kind of made our way through. And I'm like, I like them all. I don't really get why someone would not like beans, but I am noticing a pattern for myself that the smaller the bean, the less inclined I am to like it if I've cooked it. Because Part of the beautiful thing about beans is like we were already talking about, choose your own adventure. You can soak, you can cook, you can instant pot, but these are not like technical <laughs> ways of cooking. You don't have to be super precise. Yeah. And that means that the smaller the bean, the easier it is if you're not paying attention, if you're moving fast or you want to like leave it and then come back to it, you know, you want to like forget it you're more likely to overcook it and have it be like mushy and have the bean break down on you in the cooking process. Less margin for error. Right. So I do think that if you're nervous about beans, starting with a slightly larger bean, if you're cooking dried, is the way to go. That's such great advice. I also think sticking with what, like if you find a brand of beans, dry beans that you like, Sticking with those, that brand and like buying the different beans in their, their varieties will help you master cooking beans at home faster. Yes. So Megan, okay. we just got through like all this technical stuff about beans, but part oh, of I don't even think we scratched the surface. I guess you're right, but we tried. <laughs> we tried technical around like cooking, like getting yes, your head yes. around cooking them. But part of what makes beans this persistent staple in so many global cuisines around the world is that they're very tied to culture, like we were talking about earlier. And so we found the perfect guest to talk to us about that more. We invited Ibrahim Basir, founder and CEO of A Dozen Cousins, to talk with us. And you guys... If you've been following us for a while, you know already that we are big fans. Ibrahim grew up in Brooklyn, and that's not the only reason why I love him. But he grew up in a big family where food was the way that family connected. And he ended up building a career in consumer packaged goods, working on both conventional and organic brands that were committed to being nutrition or environmentally focused. But they didn't have that same kind of culture-first big flavor first feeling that he loves most about food and remembered from growing up. So guess what he did? He started his own damn company. All right, Ibrahim, 
We got to start with a dozen cousins. We're humongous fans. I'll have you know, because we like giving ourselves cookies, that (laughs) you were a feature in one of our favorite Friday newsletters recently. My cabinet is stocked with them. Love them. Love the brand. Love the spirit, the taste, everything. What is one thing you learned from starting the company that you wish more people knew about beans in particular? Uh, First and foremost, thank you for that and and for the love. That's an excellent first question. Uh, You know, what I'll I'll say first, I've been, I won't say it's been a completely new learning, but been reminded of just how well beans combine taste, health, and culture. You know, they live in this really unique space that I think very few foods enjoy where they're high in protein, they're high in fiber. You'd be hard pressed to really find a single food that's more healthy than a bean. But at the same time, they can taste really great. Um, they can be savory and delicious and well-seasoned and spicy. Um, and then the, kind of the third part of that is there's this cultural connection to people and beans, and particularly in the regions that we really focus on from the southern U.S. down through South America. You know, everyone has a bean that they hold near and dear. And when I get to talk to people who eat the beans, who buy the beans, who try the beans, it's cool to see that little spark in their eyes. So um, that would be my, my, my first answer, just like just being reminded of the specialness of beans um, is, is maybe where I'd start. And I love that because that's what us food people love about food in general is this, you know, coming together of a sensory experience, you know, understanding that what we put in our body matters and makes up, you know, you are what you eat kind of thing. And then also like culture and connection and people and sitting around a table and like having those foods from your childhood that spark memories. So, I mean, it's sort of like beans encapsulate everything that's just good about food in general, why food is so primal and important to humans. I agree 100%, man. That's very well put. Well, what was your second answer? Well, my, my second answer was way more technical, which is just around like pro- like processing. And so, you know, when we started A Dozen Cousins, uh, we actually had a ton of different potential first products, right? Um, where we really had this mission of wanting to combine, you know, culture and authenticity with really healthy foods. And so we really spent some time at the beginning just brainstorming what were all the ways to do that. And, you know, a lot of things we ended up eliminating just because in the process of turning it from like something you might cook in your kitchen to something that you could buy in a supermarket, we felt like a lot of the nutrition was lost or it would almost be a stretch to even call it really a healthy food at that point. And so one of the cool things I learned about beans is that they retain most of their nutrition, no matter like how hard or how long you cook them, you know, dry beans, wet beans, cooked beans, they're still high in protein, high in fiber. And so kind of more of a little food science nugget that I learned in the course of building the business was just um, the nutrition of beans are very resilient. Um, And so it made it perfect for us, obviously, because, you know, we are a packaged food. I like that too. See, We're food nerds here. And shout out to all the people who overcook their beans. It doesn't matter. They're still good for you. (laughs) I can at least vouch for the protein and the fiber. (laughs) There you go. Yes. Okay. I have like, this is cool. A cool, like technical question to jump off of that, which is a question that comes up a lot in our listeners group about around cooking beans from dried. And this like trips so many people up is 
when to season beans and how to season beans. And this, you don't necessarily have to tell us like how a dozen cousins does it, but are you seasoning them? Like, is your advice to season them while they're cooking, to season them after cooking, using a sauce? What's, what's the secret? Yeah. So I'll tell you a couple of my secrets. Some of these are, are, um, things that are just from my kitchen. Right. So like a couple of key steps to me to make a great pot of beans. Number one, your onions and garlics, you want you want to have a little sauteing at the, in the early stage, right? So one thing that I see people doing with that, I'm always like, oh, I don't know if I agree with that. They'll just put like raw garlic into water or raw onions into water and let it boil. I always like to get a little saute going at the beginning. There is some science around um, certain flavor elements in garlic that are released in oil that aren't released in water. Um, and then also you guys just know like a good saute or a good brown changes the flavor of onions and garlic. So that to me is always the first step, particularly for some of the recipes that we have. Second little nugget for me on beans is soaking them for a little bit. It helps with the cooking process. Uh, For people who have um, issues with the gassiness of of beans, sometimes they find that soaking them overnight helps release um, some of those, you know, some of the things that kind of give you that digestional uh, irritation. Uh, So good soak will be my second tip. Um, And then from there, I just put everything in the pot and let it rock, you know, low and slow, give everything time to kind of blend and melt. For the most part, those are all things that we do with our beans at a dozen cousins as well. So um, those would be my three three tips to a really good pot of beans. Megan, I'm sure you have like a very smart follow up, but I just want to take a moment (laughs) to point out that Ibrahim just spoke about gas in the most mature fashion possible. If, if, yeah. if you start a bean company, you too will be funny. <laughs> <laughs> I well, can imagine. Ibrahim, how old are your kids? Uh, I have one daughter. She turns three in about one week. Okay. Um, yeah. So I have a 13-year-old son, and I'm going to tell you <laughs> that I'm highly impressed because it's really, really hard not to talk about farting. But I appreciate how professional you kept it. <laughs> I do have a good segue this away <laughs> from gas jokes, which and talking about cooking dried beans again. Do you have a favorite type of bean to cook from dry? Like, if you're gonna buy beans to cook at home, what do you buy? Yeah, that's an excellent question as well. I personally like black beans a lot. Um, you know, for me, I just like the size. So I, I love all, all beans. I, obviously, I make, I make them and like my children. But I think from a texture perspective and from like a meatiness, if you will, I just black beans hit the spot for me. You know, pinto beans are a little meatier, a little thicker. They're harder, they're, you know, hardier chew. Um, chickpeas can sometimes be difficult to get hit on the sweet spot from like being a little too hard or um, being overcooked. You know, there's kind of a, a golden, golden strike. I feel like black beans are pretty it's pretty easy to get them to a good spot. So I'd say those are probably my favorite. You know what you just made me remember that I completely blocked out is that, you know, now chickpea snacks are all the rage. So I'm first generation Greek and my grandmother used to just bring home like from the Greek store, like she'd buy them in bulk, these dried chickpea snacks that I cannot explain to you are not what you can currently find in the supermarket. They are like some old school Greek, like the driest, pastiest. <laughs> you uh, can... the, thing, the funny thing is, I feel like I know exactly what you're talking about. And like, you could almost feel like you might lose a tooth. or a Yes. Chip. Yes. 
They are so hard. And as you start to chew them, your mouth starts to, and you're like, what? How does a whole culture eat this? Like, it was amazing to me. My grandmother used to love them. But that's I know, very I know some of them. They feel very risky. They feel like a thing. Yes. <laughs> risky is the perfect word. Like, am I going to lose a tooth? Am I going to be able to, like, do I have water nearby? Like, is this safe? Yes. But we've graduated from that, too. <laughs> like, and now I just roast chickpeas in the oven, and it's, uh, it's a completely different experience. But talking about what you can find in the supermarket, can you talk to us about really, like, what's the difference between canned beans? and fresh packed beans, because you're seeing fresh packs pop up a lot. I mean, around beans for sure, but even other packaging, is it an environmental thing? Is it about like something technical in the process of packaging foods and beans in particular? So just so I'm clear, when you say fresh pack, are you referring to like the type of pouches that we use for our products? Yeah. Is it not called fresh pack? Uh, well, it's not fresh in the sense. When I hear fresh, I think of like refrigerated or something that hasn't been cooked, I guess, or something that has been yep. cooked to be refrigerated. So if you think about that, then in relation to a can, right? So just envision a can. It's about four inches usually from one side to the other. The product is usually cooked inside the can itself, right? And so in order to ensure that everything is heated up properly, it usually has to get really, really hot for a long period of time. And so when you eat most canned food, that's part of the reason why it has that mushy, really homogenous texture to it is because it almost certainly was overcooked, right? Or certainly everything was cooked kind of to the brink of recognizability in some cases, right? And that really is due to the science of just needing to get the middle of the can to be hot. You have to kind of overheat the outside a little bit, right? Yeah, and totally. So, so now you have that mental image. Now take our pouch, which if you can imagine it laying down flat, you know, from one side of the pouch to the other is only about half an inch, right? And so it gives us a lot more flexibility in terms of how we cook each bean. So we no longer have to worry about like blasting it to, you know, 500 degrees for an hour. We can cook each bean for a different period of time. In some cases we cook it much less. And, and so as a result, our beans have this really, I think, um, cool textural differences within them, right? If you eat our black beans, for example, you can see green peppers, you can see onions, Sometimes there's even a little bite to the onions, right? Where it's like, because we have that flexibility in how we cook it and how long we cook it, I think you just end up with a product that feels a little bit more natural in, in the way that you might cook in your kitchen versus, you know, for me personally, a lot of canned food, that homogenous, mushy texture is sometimes a little tough for me. Yes, I agree. That's like one of my favorite things, not to just like love on a dozen cousins too much, but like that's one of my favorite things about your products is that there's actual like real texture and they do taste like someone cooked them at home and then delivered them to your grocery store. Which actually gets me back to thinking about culture. That curry recipe, it's called Trini curry, right? Yep, that's right. So it's inspired by a Trinidadian recipe. Yeah, so, that's know, what I was going to ask. Yeah, you know, the quick the quick background for those that might be less familiar, Trinidad, of course, island, Trinidad and Tobago, the island nation in the Caribbean. Um, there's a huge Indian population, or at least a population of people who came from India to the, to the islands, right? And so a lot of, and this is true in, in several Caribbean countries where a lot of the cuisine is inspired by kind of your traditional Indian cooking, right? Um, and so, you know, chana, or curry chickpeas mm -hmm. or traditionally an Indian dish. You probably have had it before. The, the only thing I'd highlight for us, our version of it is a little bit lighter. So a traditional Indian china will usually or will often have tomatoes and ginger 
And so the sauce is a little heavier, a little thicker. Um, in our case, we use onions, garlic, and then um, like a, the dry spice mix. And so it's a slightly lighter flavor. The herbs come through a little bit, or the seeds, the spices come through a little bit more strongly in ours. But ultimately, they're they're from the same family of dishes, kind of Indian China brought brought over to the Caribbean. And it's telling those stories part of what you feel passionately about, you know, is for people to understand those connections, which are often lost in our telling of history, but still remain evidence of all of these connections remain in the foods that we eat all across the world. A hundred percent. First of all, just by way of my own personal background, I actually studied history as an undergrad. And so I have, I just have a deep love for like history, anthropology, sociology, you know, some of those related fields where I'm always interested in like the human story behind things, you know, like, okay, here's what I'm looking at. Why is it designed that way? Why does it look that way? Where does that come from? So that's always been part of just my worldview. And so as, you know, as my passion for food developed, it just became this natural blending between like my, my love for history, my love for food. They, it only made sense that I would launch a brand that was really culturally rooted. And like you said, really invested in telling stories. You know, if you, if you spend time, on our Instagram, you know, we spent just as much time talking about music and art and culture and travel as we do like talking about beans. And, and that for me is because, you know, to your point, they're so intertwined with each other. I grew up in Brooklyn and, you know, to this day, if I'm eating jerk chicken, it's almost like I can hear reggae music in the background, <laughs> see like a brightly colored mural or see a, somebody with dreadlocks, you know, like they're all interconnected to me in terms of how I experience food. So. I 100% agree with what you said. You know, and Megan, this reminds me of an episode that you and I recorded, a conversation we had way in the beginning where I I think I probably got in a little hot water too. That <laughs> wouldn't be the first time where I was talking about <laughs> being a first generation Greek and how there is this disconnect for me personally, having grown up in a home with Greek parents and a Greek grandmother, food took such a different place in our life than it did in the homes of my friends whose families were here for many, many generations who were, I put this very much in quotes, a little more American than me. I mean, I was just as American as them, but you know, that experience was really, really different. And it's exciting to see a mainstream food brand trying to tell those stories and bring that back to our culture with an understanding that, yeah, parents are busy. Like we're pretty stretched thin here. We don't live like we did in the old country. And, you know, not everybody lives with lots of like grandmas and aunties around to help with the kids. Convenience food products are a much needed reality of our life. They need to be affordable, but to keep them healthy and to make sure that they aren't necessarily separated from what food is really about, which is all this like love and culture and connection and art. Yeah, you know, that, well, first of all, thank you for saying that. And, and I agree 100%, right? Like for many cultures, um, many families, food takes on a higher importance, right? There's, there's almost this human thing of wanting to give your children like wanting to pass something on to your kids, right? In terms of a cultural experience or the way that you grew up or the things that you ate. And so you find a lot of people who come to the U.S., you know, one of the ways they're trying to preserve their own culture yeah. and their own kind of family memories is by 
sharing these dishes, sharing these recipes. Here's how we're going to eat certain meals, right? And as a result, in some cases, we almost, um, and I was born here in the U.S., so I'm saying we just in the spirit of like community, right? But um, it, what happens is there's almost this like unspoken tax where it's like, now we need to spend hours a day cooking food from scratch, or we have to go out of our way to like a specialty grocery store to get certain ingredients. Yes. Or we have to like make these weird adjustments to, okay, we can't find this thing, so we'll use that instead, right? And so, you know, one of the goals for the brand, as you alluded to, is just to eliminate that trade-off, you know, to allow people to be able to eat something that's really high quality, that still feels really culturally connected, um, but that's convenient and fast. Like we're all under the same pressures of modernity and, and free time that we have and, and the movement between work and leisure and all that kind of stuff that's happening. Like it'll be it'll be tough to cook a two to three hour dinner every weeknight for most people and so that that's kind of the role we want to play totally and just one more like thought about this is this this idea of a trade-off is really interesting that to keep your culture alive through food here in the states once you settle here that there are these trade-offs you have to go to this other store also ends up kind of in the extreme fetishizing certain like cultures and ingredients and dishes where it's like, oh, well, that's exotic, you know? And actually it's what a whole bunch of Americans are eating in their homes all the time. <laughs> you know, it's not necessarily exotic to us. So bringing it into the mainstream and making it part of the conversation, I think also offers America a much more a choice in the supermarket that's much more reflective of who we actually are. We are from all over the world. 100%. I could riff on this for, for much longer. <laughs> I will hold myself back from doing so. But even the idea of American food is funny, right? Yeah. Yes. It all came from somewhere else. So, you know, when they say American food, they really just mean food from someplace else that we've gotten used to. Yeah, that's right. Except for those Greek, those Greek chickpeas, <laughs> nobody wanted. They didn't make the cut. <laughs> okay, I have one final question, and it's a really hard, a hard one. I think it's almost like a little bit mean. But before that, I want to say that one of my favorite things that came out of this conversation is thinking about like all of the ingredients that you put into each of the dozen cousins products and how like actually more affordable and accessible that makes certain flavor profiles for people. Cause I'm not having to go out and buy the 11 spices to make the chickpea curry. Like you've already done that for us. And it's such a gift to busy home cooks everywhere. So just a, another shout out to your product. But now I'm going to make you do something mean, which is we play this game called Kiss, Mary Kill. And the idea is that you have to pick one product that you like have this love affair with. That's the kiss. A product that you would marry. I think I know what your answer is going to be on this one. And then the product that you would kill, which is sort of the mean part of it, because Obviously, you love all your products and you're really proud of them. But like if there's one that is that you love the least, maybe it was challenging to create. Um, we would love to know what it was. Got it. First of all, great question. I'm happy to I'm happy to dive in. Uh, <laughs> I'll say this list has actually changed probably several times throughout the course of um, starting the company, developing the products. But I, I think I have the answers for today. So the product I would kiss would be the, the Trini chickpea curry. 
in terms of just the passion, the intensity, Spicy. the flavor of it, right? Like I, when I think about, I don't know, kissing, I just think about something that you just have that deep intensity for, right? Um, so yes. love, love yes. the chickpeas. Married, think about marriage. There, there's that love, there's that intensity, but there's the consistency over time, right? Where it's yes. like, you gotta be willing to rock with this person or this bean in this case, <laughs> um, you know, every day, every for year, all time. For a really long period of time. That's gonna be my black beans. Um, I, I knew it. That, that was my guess. Uh, that, that's my guy. I probably, you know, like I almost, I eat them at least two or three times a week, um, and sometimes more than that. Black bean get picked heavily. So that would be my marry. And then my kill would be the Mexican cowboy beans, but only because of the texture of pinto beans. i got to be in the mood for that. Sometimes a little meaty is not the right word, but we use like big, hearty pinto beans. And so um, I just find that I want them a little bit less often than the other two, but I still love them a lot. Um, so don't don't misconstrue that. <laughs> no, we won't. I thought maybe you would say the either one of the particularly the refried pinto beans because I imagine that's like a really hard texture to get right for a consumer product. See, I, I didn't even bring the refried into the conversation because they're so new. I haven't I haven't formed a relationship with them yet in quite the same way as I have. Before. I have. Yeah, <laughs> they're so uh, good. You need to get on that. Yes. I, I appreciate it. I, I mean, to, to be clear, I've been eating them for upwards of a year, but yeah. you know, the other guys. I know. Um, these other guys have been in my life who feels like now for- <laughs> forever. <laughs> oh, amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. This is really fun. And I also learned a lot. Ibrahim, thank you so much for your time. Thank you guys for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. I loved talking with Ibrahim. I feel like I see that with almost every guest, which just means we have the best guests in the whole wide world. It's true, we do. I learned this in like researching about him that he named a dozen cousins at for, in honor of his daughter and the fact that he's one of nine. And so she actually has 11 cousins and she is the dozen's cousin. <laughs> I just think that's so, so sweet. I know we need to talk a little bit about nutrition, but we like are short on time to talk about all the ways we can use beans uh, in recipes. So I think we should take that part of the conversation to the listeners group. But I'm wondering if you can share any insight about like the protein and fiber in beans. Yeah, because so we, we kind of like talked around that this whole episode. It's the big thing, right? That they're packed with protein and fiber. And like, let's just keep it very top line. But just to give you a sense of things, that for every half cup of serving of beans, they average like anywhere from six to nine grams of protein and like six to 10 grams of fiber. So it's going to vary bean by bean. We're not going <laughs> to belabor it with another You don't want to through the list again? <laughs> <laughs> but like that's a lot. Half a cup of beans, yeah. about like seven or eight grams of protein seven or eight grams of fiber. That's, that's good news, people. That's good news. And I happen to also just love that they make a perfect first finger food. Yeah. Like they were made for that little pincer grisp. They really were, huh? They were. So we've gone through soaking and not soaking protein and fiber, how to cook them and culture. Woo. We might have to do another episode on beans one day. I think we might need a second bean episode. And I'm going to bring more fart jokes next time. <laughs> <laughs> and again, with that, <laughs> maybe 
make sure you're subscribed <laughs> so you don't miss a thing. Um, we also want to make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter and find us on Instagram and Facebook. We're at Didn't I Just Feed You in all the places. Oh, we should mention when you join, when you're on Facebook, if you'd like to join our private listeners group where we're going to start a thread for bean meal ideas, you need to know that our favorite cocktail is whiskey. Do not add us. Whiskey in a glass is a cocktail. <laughs> or there you can join by telling us your favorite cocktail. Our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Jamendo. A huge thank you to our editor, Samantha Gatsik. I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Stay sane and well fed until next week. And can you just can you excuse us? We're gonna go. Goodbye. Have a great time. I don't know if it's the end of the video, but I'm just saying. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.